0: Y'all stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word, and let's just read the whole psalm. It's just six verses. It says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. That's the same word, blessed. And it shall be well with you. Your wife, so now it's like turning to say men specifically. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children, like olive plants, all around your table. Behold, pay attention, look out. Thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Great little bookends on that section. And then it says that blessing for your family Won't stop with your family. Watch this. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem. In other words, the good of your family will spread to the city all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. And then it goes even beyond the city. Peace be upon Israel. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful psalm. I can just almost hear it as the people came up from all over the land, coming out of the north of Galilee or the south at Jericho, even as they walked up through the valley of the shadow of death, up to the holy city, they would sing this song of praise and thanks and acknowledgement that the blessing of the family came from the hand of the heavenly Father. I pray today that you would speak not only to the men and fathers here, but to every Christian and every one that is maybe moving toward becoming a child of God. Because there are powerful lessons to be learned for us all, great truths to be applied in our lives for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's be seated and let's, let's discover some of these bountiful blessings. I'm going to use the word fathers, but you could put the word mothers in there. You could put the word people in there, but it is a Father's Day message. And there is some specific statements to fathers, to husbands and fathers and grandfathers in here. So let's just use the word fathers. And it says, fathers are blessed when we fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. It says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Verse 4, behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord, remember to be blessed, is to be happy regardless of circumstances. A deep-seated, unwavering joy and commitment that goes beyond the temporal. I think everybody here would want the hand of God's blessing. I think everybody here would want a a type of of happiness that supersedes what we're going through. Well, what does the Bible say you got to do to get it? Fear the Lord. You've got to fear the Lord. There's not a lot of preaching on fearing God going on. There's just not a lot. There's a lot about God's love and and about God's grace and about God's mercy and about God opening his arms wide to us. But very few preachers are saying, fear the Lord. The man of God will never truly be happy until he is truly holy. He's got to fear God. Remember what Joshua told God's people. You remember? Remember? Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And he said, are you going to go back and you're going to serve the Egyptian gods, little g, false gods on the other side of the river? Or are you going to serve the one true and living God? Do you remember the declaration? We used to have it on a wooden plaque in our house for many, many years. But as for me and my house, what does he say, Church. That's it. We will serve the Lord. He's making a federal headship declaration as the patriarch, the father of the family. We, me and my crew, my family and I, we will serve the Lord. But what's very interesting about that, that's verse 15, Joshua 24. Verse 14 of Joshua 24, he actually says, you must fear the Lord. You must fear the Lord. Before you can serve the Lord, you must fear the Lord. And the word there for fear, uh, yahre. if we were to say it in Hebrew, Yahweh, means to stand in awe of, to have great reverence, honor, and respect for. It doesn't mean I'm coward in a corner. Oh, I fear the Lord. I fear the Lord. That's not at all what it means. It is that the great I am knows me by name. The great I AM sent his only begotten Son, and he paid the price for my sin and your sin and the sin of the world. The great I AM wants a relationship with me, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I am in awe of him. You see these beautiful East Tennessee sunrises or sunsets, or you go down by the lake or go to the beach, and you are in awe of the one who created it this last year when god was painting the trees through the fall and i'm in awe of this god who knows us and who loves us it's a beautiful picture here when we fear the lord when we understand who he is we better understand who we are and how valuable we are The God who did all of that, who created not just a million planets, but billions upon billions of worlds, that God knows you today. That God knows you're sitting here. That God knows what you're thinking of. So if your mind is on those Cracker Barrel pancakes, cut it out. Listen to the Word of God. He knows you. Let me give you a comparison and contrast. Now, y'all gonna have to be more honest than first service, because those people act like they never done nothing wrong. Now, listen to me. Have any of y'all ever had a fear when you see a police car and you know you were booking it and either you come up on him with your radar or you see him in your rearview mirror coming in behind you? Anybody ever had that fear? Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's an honest congregation. I'm sorry, but in two weeks, y'all gonna have to mix with those heathens. So y'all can help them. Y'all can help them. We'll talk about that at the end. Of course you have that fear. I have that fear. Now, normally I stay well within the speed limit. Don't look at me. I feel you looking at me. I hate that feeling. I don't like that. What I really like is when he goes and gets the guy that's in front of me or something. You know, but there's a fear there. There's a fear there because you're like, oh, man, I know he's got the authority. And he really probably has the cause to stop me and to give me a really bad ticket and have a bad day. But I'm so grateful when he doesn't. But here's the problem, y'all. You take that same sense of fear, and that's not what the Bible's teaching. You put that on God as some kind of cosmic cop. And so when you sin, you're like, oh, no, oh, no, what's he going to do to me? That's not the way this works, guys. God is not a cosmic cop, nor is he a divine genie where you can rub him the right way and get what you want. Here's the deal. God is your heavenly father who wants a relationship with you. And when you mess up, just like me as an earthly father, you can disappoint the father. You can make the father upset, but the father still loves you. And the reason the father may have to punish you is because he wants you to be better, not miserable. The reason the lines are on the roads out there, the reason the speed limit is posted is to keep us safe and move us toward our destination. And y'all know that. Let me ask you a question, I'll be honest. You're heading out of town, you're going to vacation. If you knew there were no cops between here and wherever you were going, would you go faster? Of course you would, heathen. Yes, of course we all would. The cops are there, the authorities are there to get you there safely. The limits are there to get you there safely. Why don't we look at the Word of God that way? The lines are there that thou shalt and thou shalt not. The lines are there to get us there safely because the Father loves us. But he's not asking you to fear him like a cosmic cop. He's saying, stand in awe and reverence of me because I know best. Fathers, do you want to be blessed? Do you want your families to be blessed? Of course you do then come to a place of desperate need today to say, I recognize who is in charge and who's not. I recognize in awe and wonder and holy fear of God who he is, and if I do have to be punished, it's because I deserve it, but he punishes me as a loving father, not a cosmic cop. Fathers are blessed when we fear the Lord. Fathers are blessed when we have a faithful walk. Do you see it in verse 1? Blessed is, everyone, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. What does that mean to have a faithful walk? Well, to walk in the Bible just means I'm going through my daily life. Now you say, Pastor, how do we do that? Well, the psalmist explains in the very first Psalm, Psalm 1, he says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the council of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Y'all, one of the biggest problems I had when I was getting in trouble, particularly as a teenager and then even up to the about the time I met Cindy, was some of the people I was hanging with. And we were not good for each other. I've told y'all some of this before. We were toxic together. If you think, I'm going to be a good guy, but I'm going to hang around with those who don't love God and and scorn God, well, that's not what the Bible says. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, the man who walks godly, his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. This guy is going to be like a tree planted by rivers of water. It brings forth fruit in season, and its leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This guy is shored up with deep roots down by the river. But he's not walking the path of the center of the scornful. Not to say you're perfect. But it says you're keeping yourself with those who also love God and want to honor him. We need to think and behave biblically. Blessing is a byproduct of a life lived well for the will of God. I'm letting the word guide me. I'm letting the word guide. Guard me. I'm in my 25th consecutive year of reading a copy of God's Word every day. And you know what? Yesterday, I wanted to go ride the bike. Cindy was out doing some stuff. I wanted to jump on the Harley and go for a few hours. And before I did, the, the Spirit of God convicted me. I'd not finished my quiet time that morning. I got up early to go shooting clays with one of our members, and we were out having a good time. And I got home, and I knew I needed to finish my quiet time. And I wanted to go ride. It was beautiful. But praise God, I listened. I don't always listen. I listened to that still small voice that said, slow down, big boy, and go over and open your Bible again. Nobody's home. Enjoy the quiet. Read the Word. Get something out of the Word from me. And then, and then I was able to go enjoy the ride. And I'm realizing as I read it now, this 25th time cover to cover, there's still so much in there I don't know. There's still so much in there that I haven't figured out. And there's plenty in there that I haven't applied. More than what I don't know is what I haven't applied. And so it's important that we are a people of the book that we trust. If I'm going to have a faithful walk, I've got to live in accordance with the Word of God because my belief determines my behavior. And to think worldly is to operate within a frame that is limited and restricted by this secularized culture. Am I thinking worldly? Or am I thinking heavenly? Now, I'm not going to think so heavenly I'm no earthly good, but am I thinking God things? To think and act as a Christian is to regard what God has said as chief purpose and constant direction in my life. And I don't mind the boundaries, because I have a good father who gave them to me. We had moved to Northwest North Carolina in 2003, become the pastor of Salem Baptist Church, and... Right out of the gate, of course, I'm telling them I love to hunt, I love to fish. You know that about me because it's just part of who I am. And I had a guy come up and he said, hey, my dad has a big plot of land. Nobody's hunting on it, but I think he'll let you hunt. It's, it's over 150 acres. If you want it, come meet me and dad out at the farm and we'll walk around and show you. Well, for the next decade, I had that farm on lease for one penny a year to the glory of God And I cannot tell you how much fun I had on that land, but it started with this. I met the member, and I met his father, and they began to walk. And we took hours and hours and hours around this farm, and he walked me to every edge, all the way down to the Yadkin River, all the way up to the far east and the far west and the north, and he said, these are my boundaries. Now, there are other hunters out there, so be careful but here's my boundaries. This is the marker. Some of it was marked, some of it I just had to mark. And I had to put up some notice so that I knew where to go. And he said, all of this is yours. And your friends and, and your children if you want to bring them, which I did. I never once complained when he said, okay, my property stops here. Don't go there. My, I never said, oh, man, I wanted to put a stand over there. Never once. I was so thankful I am to this day so thankful because years later, five or six years after that, no, it was was more than that actually, uh, Bobby started going with me in the woods and little Bo at six years old in one of my, my easiest stands to get to harvested his first deer with a crossbow at six. The crossbow was as tall as him. It was awesome. And we had so many, me and my friends had so many good memories on that land. Fed my family for a decade on that land. Had way more deer meat than we had beef. And I know some of y'all are thinking, ugh, eating a deer. I promise you it's cleaner than that cow you're munching on from McDonald's. So here's the thing. It was a blessing. And and if you want to be a blessing and you have some land and you want to come talk to your pastor after, praise God. I ain't playing. Listen, it's, the, it, it's, it's a blessing, and I never once complained about the boundaries because they were there for my good. And look at all that I had. Look at all that I could enjoy, and my buds and, and my son. Look at all that we could enjoy. It's an incredible thing that he gave us, a blessing from the Father. And sometimes we're so concerned looking at our Father's boundaries that we miss his blessings. Quit that. God has given you so much. Your father has been so faithful, but you're going to have to walk with him. Just like I walked with that man and his father, and he said, don't go here. And then years later, I take my son by the hand, and I say, now, Bo, we can't go over there. Okay, Dad. Now, Bo, we can go here, but we can't go over there. Okay, Dad. See, it was passed to me, and then it was my joy to pass it to my son, well, Dad, what, we want to go to the other side of this field. No, no, son, that's, that won't work. We can't go over there. Of course, most kids, but I want to. You tell me I can't, so now I want to. Well, that's not the way this works, y'all. So fathers are blessed when we fear the Lord. When we have a faithful walk, we are blessed when we have fruitful labor. Notice this. It says when you eat the labor or the work, if you will, um, the fruit of your labor, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, the same word for blessed, and it shall be well with you. And he goes on to talk about a fruitful wife like a vine and children like olives. So what is this talking about? It says you got to put your hand to the plow and have fruit from your work. You can't just sit back and say, bless me, God. you got to put your hands to it and you got to work it 2 Thessalonians 3.10, Paul said, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. It's 1 Timothy 5.8, If anyone does not provide for his own and especially of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If you can work, put your hand to the plow. We know God's plan for us fathers is to provide for our family, to be a physical provider, a provider of security, a provider of welfare and peace of the home. But men, listen to me well. If you think you can just give your wife and kids stuff, and then in so doing you've met your obligation as a father, you are wrong. If you think you can just provide them a beautiful home, and you've done all God expects you to do, you are wrong. When the Bible says be a provider, it means more than material things. It means lead them spiritually as well. From creation order, you were called to lead. As Christ loves the church and gave himself for her, you were to lead and love your wife and your children and be the spiritual provider of your home. Listen to me, don't be a spiritual barbecuer, okay? I know you don't know what that means yet, or you would have said, amen, pastor, don't be a spiritual barbecuer. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Some guys think barbecuing is the only type of cooking real men can do, Ah, 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 right? (laughs) Give me the meat. I'm throwing it on the grill. And so when a man volunteers or is volunteered to barbecue, this is what sets in motion. Number one, the woman buys the food. Two, the woman makes the salad, prepares the vegetables, and makes dessert. Three, the woman prepares the meat for cooking, places it on a tray, along with the necessary cooking utensils, sauces, and takes it to the man who's been lounging beside the grill. Now, this is important. Number four, the man places the meat on the grill. ha, <laughs> ha. Number five, the woman goes inside to start setting the table and check the vegetables. Number six, the woman comes out to tell the man the meat is burning. Number seven, the man takes the meat off the grill. And he hands it to the woman. Number eight, the woman prepares the salad, bread, utensils, napkins, condiments, drinks, and brings them to the table. Number nine, after eating, the woman clears the table and does the dishes. Number 10, everyone praises the man and thanks him for his amazing cooking efforts. And finally, number 11, the man asked the woman how she enjoyed her night off. And upon seeing her annoyed reaction, the man concludes there's just no point in trying to please some women. Don't be a spiritual barbecuer. Don't think that you can claim headship and leadership, but in reality she does all of the work and you attempt to take credit for it. Your wife will see right through that and your kids will see right through that. And of course the good Lord above sees right through that. Don't say, I lead my home. I'm head of my home. But when it comes time to church or lake, it's always the lake. I like the lake too. I love to play. I'm a very much work hard, play hard kind of guy. I like it. But I know the priorities for my family. And you say, Pastor, that's your job. You have to be here. I'm telling you, God set this pattern in my heart as he is my witness and that sweet gal and those kids are my witness. God set this pattern in my heart before he called me vocationally. And so we make choices, don't we? We choose. I'm just glad you're here today. The largest Sunday we ever had at Salem annually was Mother's Day, partly because we did baby dedications all on that day. The lowest attended Sunday we had almost every year, Father's Day. People would go to the lake People would go away and I'm glad you're here because I want you to know you can have fruitful labor. Don't be a spiritual barbecuer. Finally, let's end with this. Fathers are blessed when we have a family legacy. Just quickly, you'll see that what he talks about here is a legacy. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine. Fruitful vine, not ornamental vine. Your children like olive plants, and you'll be blessed when you fear the Lord. And from your blessing, it will spread to the city, and from the city, it will spread to the nation, even as you pass along the faith to your children and your children's children. It's a beautiful thing. When we fear the Lord and have a faithful walk and fruitful labor, we get a family legacy. Fruitful vine. Grape vines, in particular, were Jewish symbols of prosperity and abundant life. And he says, men, your wife is not just some ornamental vine. She is fruitful, like Proverbs 31 teaches. She produces. She's productive because of your godliness, because of your faithfulness. It says, not like thorns or thistles, not briars, but a fruitful vine. And husbands, listen to me. Fathers, listen to me. The greatest thing you can do for your children is love your wife as Christ loved the church. Let them see an example. Let the little girls see an example that says, I want my husband one day to love me like daddy loves mama. Let your boys see an example. I want to love a wife one day if God grants it as daddy loves mama. Let them see an example. You're not going to be perfect. None of us are. But when you fall, admit it. Be a big boy. Pull up your britches and get on with it. But lead by example. Be sensitive, be loving, be supportive, and notice she's got to be a priority. And when she is, your children are like olive plants. I love olive plants. The olive tree is an amazing thing. We saw them there in the Garden of Gethsemane, which means olive or oil press. And what's amazing is if the root is good, you can cut that puppy to the ground, but the shoots will still come up. Things will come along to whack at you. Things will come along to try to cut you down. But in a faithful family with a legacy, the shoots of children and grandchildren will pop up in time if there is a good root system. And men, we are called to lay that down. See, my greatest work is not building a ministry. My greatest work is not building a church My greatest work, I don't even believe, is preaching sermons, though I am called to be a man of the word and prayer. My greatest work is investing in my wife and in my children and in my children's children. And if you want to know if I love God, see how I interact with my family. And this is true of so many men that have stood in the pulpit and yet disqualified themselves because they have not prioritized their wife or their children. And they've got wandering eyes, and eventually that leads to wandering hands, and it leads to shattered homes and broken lives and shame on the name of Christ. And if you ever see my eyes or my hands wander, in Jesus' name, you kick me to the curb and say, straighten up, this ain't right I'm telling y'all, we need to be men and women and families of integrity. The world is watching. I want to be able to say, like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I believe the city will turn back to God. And I believe the state and the nation will turn back to God. Peace be upon Israel. Will peace be upon these United States of America? But so go the fathers. As the fathers go, so goes the family, and as the family goes, so goes the community, and so goes the state, and so goes the nation. Do you want to know one of the biggest statistical truths that we can see so clearly in the reason for the moral decline of our land? Fathers are strangely absent. Traditional mom, dad, children, those homes are becoming fewer and farther between. Men, let us step up. Let us step out. Let us lead by example. You are not perfect, but you know a father who is. Hold his hand. Walk with him and build a legacy. I don't know if it's my age or stage of life, the fact that we have these little granddaughters now. I think more and more about this concept, and I think more and more about leading them well. Fathers are blessed when we fear the Lord, have a faithful walk, fruitful labor, and leave a family legacy. As the band comes up, the worship team. My dad had a great work ethic. I've told y'all I think. Man, he provided for me and mom. Even when it was difficult, they quit their jobs the same week to launch out these businesses. Now, they had been planned for some years, but they quit their jobs. We had little to nothing. I'm going to be honest with you. We were... um, I never knew how little we had for that season because my mom and dad never showed it. But they were very frugal. And then they were blessed and they worked hard and got more and more and more. But the stuff dad gave us was never as important as the time. My father really was never an outdoorsman. He loved working in the yard, the bushes, the fish pond, all that kind of stuff. But he was not a hunter, not a fisherman, but he took me over and over and over. Countless times as a young boy and as a teenager, we would drive to a hunting club at the next county, and he would sit out there, and I know most of the time he was miserable. I know he was wanting to do some other things, but he chose to be there because he knew for whatever reason God had given me that passion. I can't think of a time. When I didn't have the, the desire to be outside. Just the desire to be out there. Whether I was catching it or whatever it was. I wanted to be outside. And I remember that. The baseball games. Um, countless games. As I played all through um, childhood up into teenage years. Singing competitions. Piano recitals. Choir concerts. Musical stage shows. Over and over and over. Dad. Mom. Always there. And when I think back to the greatest memories, it was presence. It was ministry of presence. Just simply being there. And I'm grateful that I had and have, not just had, but have a wonderful earthly father, because I know where he is. And I have a magnificent heavenly father. And men. If we will together choose to fear the Lord and trust God with a faithful walk and fruitful labor, I believe God will give us a family legacy. There'll be things that want to cut us down. There'll be things that try to destroy his work in our lives and in our families. But put the roots down now and the shoots will come up. These are a few of the bountiful blessings for faithful fathers. Stand with me this morning. Now, here's what I want to do. If by chance your dad is around, uh, maybe you could choose to pray together. Dads, I know it's Father's Day, but you could lead your family to come pray at the altar. They say, so, well, it's Father's Day. They're going to do it for me. That's after church. They're supposed to pamper you, okay? After church, they do everything for you. They take your boots off. They do everything you need after church. You could lead them to the altar to pray. You, you could go pray with your family Um, you could pray for our Honduras team. We have a wonderful group of men heading out to Honduras this Friday. The work continues there. It's awesome work. Mike and Tim, John, Justine, so it's not just men, uh, Brother Mike and a a fellow named Chris uh, from Atlanta, although Mike said Hotlanta, so I don't know what he means by that. But um, a great team is going to Honduras to work with the Lindermans this week. You know we're working all over the world, and so grace continues to go. You could pray for that team. You could just ask God to move in your family, to create a legacy. Now, you could also be praying for the state of fathers in this nation. It's tough, man. Some of you that are in those single-parent homes, you know how tough it is. You precious ladies that have done the hard work, you know how important it is and how tough it is. So there's a lot of things we can pray about here. I'm I'm personally also thanking God for what we've witnessed in these days in New Orleans and for the very strong conservative stance and being able to continue to walk together with our Baptist brothers. I think that's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, I was deeply concerned last week at this time. So thank you for praying. Let's go to the Lord. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.